to the scripture reading. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Verse 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Our message this Monday afternoon is entitled Tribulation Song. Tribulation Song. And this is my testimony. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak to this august group of students. Lord, I am asking now that you pour out your Holy Spirit. As I share this testimony, Lord, I pray that only Jesus Christ would be lifted up. Pour out your Holy Spirit now on these young people as they will face even more difficult challenges than this one. As we, as we enter deeper into the last days. Bless this service, we pray. Bind the devil. Bind his angels. Cast them away. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So to start the testimony, I'll um, just give you a little bit about my background. I don't have time to do uh, talk at all. Um, I mentioned, I think, um, maybe Sabbath, uh, that my, my parents were Jamaican immigrants to Connecticut at the time when Jamaicans were going to Connecticut um, to pick tobacco. So this was way back in the 60s. Um, my mother used to clean houses and take care of white women's children. That's how they made their money way back before I was born in the 60s. My father left my mother when I was two years old and married my, mother, my mother's second cousin. Um, obviously, that damaged my mother. My mother was a very bright student. She went to, um, I think she went to I don't, one of the girls' schools there in Kingston. Um, she'd had a degree from Jamaica, but none of it counted when she got to America. My mother was very hurt by what happened. Um, and I can tell you uh, that she was a very strong woman. I watched her get her associate's degree, bachelor's degree, and her master's degree. And I saw how our family progressed. When I was in the second grade in the United States, that's about when you're maybe seven or eight years old, one of my classmates, uh, an Irish-American young boy named Tommy, said to him, when we grow up, we should open our own medical practice together. I don't know where this boy got this idea from. But I said, that's a great idea. We'll be doctors. And ever since I was in the second grade, I knew I wanted to be a physician. Oh, it pre-programmed for the rest of my life. Let me fast forward to after I finished medical school at the University of Miami. And there are many testimonies. I was telling the biochemistry class today that one of the things medical school did was humble me. Somebody ought to say amen. Um, you, you, you think you're always the smartest one until you get where they collect the smartest people together. Um, and what God did was, while I was in medical school, he gave me the opportunity to actually take up public health rotations. So I worked with the migrant farmers. And ironic how the whole thing came full circle. I worked with migrant farmers from Central and South America in clinics in Homestead, Florida, while I was at the University of Miami in med school. I worked in the TB clinic. I was able to work in public health. I worked at the HIV um, clinic on South Beach, the first one in the state of Florida, I believe. It was called a PET clinic, the Prevention, Education, and Treatment Clinic. And so I was fortunate to get all these opportunities. 
Later on, God got me the opportunity to work with the Bush administration, and I worked for D President George W. Bush in, on HIV and AIDS, and later um, on the, on, with Barack Obama's administration for a short period of time. Um, and so I was able to get all these things. I was working at Loma Linda when I was doing my doctorate in public health, decided I should go work in public health. So I went to Orange County, California. I was the medical director for the jails. I ran one of the divisions of the health department. And a job came up in a city called Pasadena, California. Now, in America, Pasadena is a very well-known city because it hosts the annual New Year's Day Rose Parade. And it has a big football stadium called the Rose Bowl. There are a lot of big football, college football games now are played. I never thought I would get the job. I prayed about it. And God, I competed against Ivy League students and uh, um, graduates, and I had gone to Oakwood University, our, our African-American, historically black, uh, Adventist school in the United States in Alabama. And I thought I had no chance competing with these students. But let me tell you something. If God has it for you, he has it for you. And I competed and I got that job in Pasadena. And I was, I was very happy. We did some great things in that job. First of all, I was able to bring in about eight or nine million dollars a year for HIV AIDS treatment for what we call in public health MSM, men who have sex with men, and all of the challenges that they face. Many of these were the poorest of those men, so we treated the HIV issues, but we brought in food pantry, housing, we brought in mental health, and, a lot, and they knew I was an Adventist Christian pastor because I was also pastoring the Altadena Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is just around the corner from the Pasadena Health Department. So in my Christian love, because really that's what it was, I saw that there was a need, and by God's grace, I was trying to help in a medical sense and witness when I could. Somebody ought to say amen. We did some other things there, and I, and I was asked to be the keynote speaker for the mayor's prayer breakfast. This is for the mayor of Pasadena, California. I believe I was the first Seventh-day Adventist ever to speak for the mayor's prayer breakfast. And when I was done speaking, I got a standing ovation. There were senators, congressmen, state assembly members, all kinds of very important people in there. I got a standing ovation. One of the people sitting there was the president of the local community college. In America, the college systems are, community colleges are two years, four-year colleges, and then universities have four years plus the graduate programs. So he was there. Fast forward to two years later. Um, we've done some really big things. We'd started a dental clinic for HIV-infected people because for those of you who want to go into dentistry, there's, there was a very big stigma, especially back in the 80s and 90s, around taking care of the teeth of people with HIV for fear that you could contract it. Um, so we started our own HIV dental clinic. And I say all that to tell you that that was some important work. And when you choose to be a missionary into the health field, by God's grace, you will bring care to those who others don't want to care about. I hope you get that. That's a part of your Christian calling in ministry if you're going into healthcare. Now, um, the president of the community college calls my office in 2014 and asks my secretary if I would speak for their commencement service. And it was a big deal. And at the time, I was hoping to get into more public speaking. I spoke at one university in the States, and they, I saw that they pay really well when you do that, and I was looking to do more of it. So he had offered me this speaking engagement. I didn't pray about it, and I should have. I took the speaking engagement, and when I took the speaking engagement, I didn't know that there were some things going on in the background. Here's where the story really starts to take a turn. What I found out later on is that they, had, they already had a speaker, and a gentleman who was supposed to speak was a Hollywood movie producer 
who had won an Oscar for the film Milk, which is about Harvey Milk, who was the first openly gay elected official in the United States who was assassinated along with the mayor of San Francisco. So they made this movie about that, and he won an Oscar. But they pulled back his invitation because they, there was rumor, and I, I never saw it, I wouldn't even look for it, that he was found online um, being in an inappropriate fashion with an underage boy. Now, what I didn't know was that the president of the community college um, had already had a sex scandal at the school earlier in the year because the, the teacher, the professor who taught the pornography class, I'm going to let that settle in for y'all for a whole, half a second. The professor who taught the pornography class was found to be sleeping with some of the students in the class. It had gotten out, and the president of the, of the college was so embarrassed, he, was, he leaned a little more politically to the right, I'm assuming, that he did not want this guy to speak if there might be a scandal about him. So he reached out to me kind of... Um, uh, uh, you know, secretly to bring me on and didn't tell me what was going on in the background. The newspaper releases the next day that Dr. Eric Walsh will be the commencement speaker for the Pasadena City College. What do you think happened um, in the L with all of the LGBTQ students at that college? They were in an uproar. In fact, the group of students was called the Students for Social Justice. I've seen their Facebook page and I don't even have Facebook. Um, and they said, Dr. Walsh has done some great things in the community. Dr. Walsh has done this and that. But we want our guy to speak. And since they went online and found dirt about our guy, we're going to go online and found, find dirt about Dr. Eric Walsh. So they went online. And me being a black man, maybe they thought they were going to find some drug charges, domestic violence. I don't know what they were looking for. But you know what they found? Sermons. Lots and lots of sermons. I mean a ton of sermons. And what they did is, and somebody they had to listen to at least 20 hours of sermons in order to do what they did. So somebody on Judgment Day, Pastor, is going to be without an excuse. Amen? They had to listen to about 20 hours of sermons, and they took me out of context in these sermons, and they drafted a document, and they submitted this document to be published in Out Magazine. Out Magazine is one of the premier LGBTQ magazines in the world. So I hope you all are seeing where this is going now. When that magazine article dropped, I was in trouble. It spread like wildfire. It went viral. And all of a sudden, I went from a hero in the town to they wanted to, if they could have strung me up, some of them would have. Here's where it gets interesting. The next day, the Los Angeles Times, the second largest newspaper in the United States of America, the Los Angeles Times put out an editorial about me. And the lady tried to call me to talk to me. And what happened every time she would do that is um, God would whisper in my ear, like a lamb led to the slaughter is dumb, so said he not a word. The calls began to come in from Channel 5 News in Los Angeles, from the National Public Radio in America. People wanted to talk to me after that article came out, because, but it got even worse when the second article dropped the editorial. And in the editorial, the lady says, uh, there are two reasons Dr. Eric Walsh should never hold a scientific position in the United States of America. She says, number one, 
he believes God created the world. So in other words, she says that you cannot be a government hired, employed scientist if you believe in creation. In fact, she even brought in an evolution specialist who said if Dr. Walsh does not want to believe in the theory of evolution, he shouldn't believe in the theory of gravity either. That's what they wrote in the article. Now, all of you who are scientists know there's a problem with that, right? Gravity's not a theory. Gravity's a law, right? The second thing that she said, why Dr. Eric Walsh should never hold a scientific position in the United States of America, she said, she, they quoted one of my sermons where I say in the sermon, uh, I do not want my children to wish upon a star. I want them to pray to the living God. And you know what they said? He hates Disney. You know, Disney say, when you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Because when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. That is obia. Let me just tell y'all straight up. When you start wishing on stars that have no consciousness, you have to understand the Bible. The Bible says that when Satan fell from heaven, his tail drew a third of the what? The stars. If Disney is telling you to wish upon a star, who are they telling you to pray to? They're telling you to pray to demons. So when, when this drop, can you imagine now? And I don't know how many of you have been to Southern California, but Southern California has a king and a queen. That's Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Let me tell you something. Overnight, they came after me like a storm, church. My name was Mud. The newspaper the next day had, the, the local newspaper, the Pasadena Star News, the next day had four articles about me on the front page. They were, I mean, they, I mean, for weeks they ran stories about me. The local news called to try and talk bad about me and asked the church secretary if they could get a copy of my sermons to play on the news. And I told the secretary when she called me, I said, do not let them uh, play the sermons. And they played the sermon anyway. But don't worry, it was a good clip of a sermon. I said, well, if they're going to play a sermon on, on, on TV in Los Angeles, that was a good clip for them to play. Let me tell you something. I quickly found out how fast the world would turn on you as a believer. But I want to submit something to you, because I'm going to have to break this into two parts. So let me get this first part in today. All of the success I had at that job was also beginning to affect my spiritual life. I want you to get this, young people. As I got more successful and more popular, I was on the local government TV all the time doing lectures. I was like a local celebrity. I could go to all of the concerts in the Rose Bowl. I could do all that stuff. People actually wanted to take my name and submit it to the White House for me to be the next Surgeon General of the United States for Barack Obama. And this started to mess with my head. I was still going to church, still preaching sermons, but I would go to these fundraisers in the Hollywood Hills. And all of that was beginning to corrupt me spiritually, separate me from God, and make me less of a Christian than God called me to be. This isn't that kind of testimony where I tell you I was a victim and then I was a victor. I want to submit to you that God had a purpose in, in bringing me into this trial. Let me show you why he does it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, 
These things say the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He says, I know your works, that you are neither what? Cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. <laughs> Verse 18. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me what? Gold tried in the fire. Thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Here's the key verse for somebody in here today. Revelation 3 and verse 19 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Let me tell you something. It got so much worse. Let me try and squeeze in this part of it today, and then we'll hit the other part of it tomorrow. I had to ultimately resign from the job in Pasadena. But I had also applied to a job to be the, the, health, the regional health officer for the district health officer for the northwest section of the state of Georgia in the United States. When this host, I'd already done two interviews in January, like February of that year. So in March of, this, of 2014, when this story hit, they called me for the final interview and flew me to Atlanta while this whole fiasco was going on. I will only tell you that by the time I got back home, they'd offered me the job. And I said, look how good God is. He has gotten me out of a blue state, California, into a red state, Georgia, and with that, I should be safe. But let me tell you something, church. There's no safety in politics. Either you know Jesus or you don't. When it was released to the press that I was going to take, the, that I was given the job in Georgia, the activists for the LGBTQ community in Los Angeles put out a statement in the local newspaper. You know what they said? They said, we have friends in Atlanta. They said he will not get that job. They said we will follow him anywhere he goes. Let me tell you something. Anywhere he goes. Let me tell you something. It got terrible real fast. And, and, and let me, and let, but there's a reason God sends us into these trials. Let me show you, let me, let me read for you a couple of slides of, of what Sister White says. Because the, the purpose of this testimony isn't to tell you how God got me through. The purpose of this testimony is to help you explain why we all go through trials if we're Christians. It is his providence that brings us into varying circumstances. In each new position, we meet a different class of temptations. How many times when we are placed in some trying situation, we think, this is a wonderful mistake, how I wish I had stayed where I was before. That's literally what I thought. Why didn't I stay at Loma Linda? Watch this. Look at what Ellen White says. But why is it that you are not satisfied? It is because your circumstances have served, your circumstances have served to bring new defects in your character to your notice. But nothing is revealed but that which is in you. Let me give you this lesson that I hope you take with you the rest of your life. God allows the trials to come into your life for a reason. And if you are in Christ Jesus, the problem is never the storm. 
I'm going to say it again. This, this is a very important spiritual lesson. I have learned that the truth of the matter is the problem is never the trial. It's never the storm. That The real problem is do you have Jesus in the vessel? When I was a kid in, in AY and Sabbath school, they sang a song that went, with Jesus in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. Smile at the storm. You know what I've learned? The reason the trials are often so difficult, it isn't the fierceness or the ferocity of the storm. It is the lack of Jesus in the boat. Let me tell you something. I had to learn firsthand that my faith was weak. I had to learn firsthand that although I had preached uh, hundreds of sermons, I had not yet fully uh, understood what it means to be under God's protection. I had not fully submitted my will to his. I wanted success in this life more than I wanted salvation in the next. So God allowed the trial. Look at this. I know why it says God's love for his children during the period of their severest trial is as strong and tender as in the days of their sunniest prosperity. But it is needful for them to be placed in the furnace of fire. Their earthliness must be consumed that the image of Christ may be perfectly reflected. I hope you got that. Because let me tell you what I've already seen being here on campus. Some of you are going through some heavy trials. And God sent me to share my story to tell you that if you can trust Jesus in your vessel, you are going to be perfectly fine. She goes on, this is another one. She says, the furnace fires are not to destroy, but to refine. This is why God allows us to go through these trials. To ennoble, sanctify. Without trial, we would not feel so much our need of God and his help. And we would become proud and self-sufficient. She says, in the trials that come to us, we should see the evidences that the Lord's eye is upon us and that he means to draw us to himself. It is not the whole, but the wounded who need a physician. It is, not, it is those who are pressed almost beyond the point of endurance who need a helper. Watch this, young people. She says, the fact that we are called upon to endure trial proves that the Lord sees something in us very precious which he desires to develop if he saw in us nothing whereby he might glorify his name he would not spend time in refining us you know what this answers this answers why it is that the wicked prosper they're not being refined you are being refined Many of you religion majors here, you are going to go and carry the gospel around the globe. Some of you scientists are going to be ministers in the world of health. Some of you who are teachers are going to instruct children in the way of Christ. You, what you're going through here is a preparation for the mission and ministry that God has called you to. Let me, let me jump ahead so we can at least finish the first part of it. So then the storm gets really hot. One of the things that happens is um, <laughs> the state of Georgia, I fly to Connecticut, fly to New York to speak in Connecticut, and the state of Georgia leaves a voice message on my phone while I was flying after they had offered me the job in Georgia, so I thought I was just going to leave California and go to Georgia, and they leave a message on my phone, and they say, Dr. Walsh, we're sorry, but we can't offer you this position, and they take the position back from me. They thought they hung up the phone, but they didn't. 
And I could hear them mocking me in the background, laughing at me. I was sitting on the plane in JFK airport and I didn't get up. I stayed there and I wept. It was one of the most painful things that ever happened to me in my life. And I cried out to God, why would you allow this to happen? Let me show you how serious it was. This is a picture of me on Channel 2 News in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm going to end with this because we don't have a lot of time today. So let me, let me, finish, let me finish with this because I know you guys got to get to class. Let me finish with this. Before it was all over, and I'll leave you on this, this, this cliffhanger for tomorrow. Before it was all over, the North American division, I can call out who did it now, sent to the PR person for the Southern California Conference of Seventh-day Adventists where I was employed and had them make a statement in the newspaper through the SEC, even though it was really from the NAD, that I was not ordained, that I did not speak for the church, and they basically threw me under the bus, for lack of a nicer term. It was terrible. Now, you got to stay with me. It was terrible because they made the poor little old lady who ran the PR department in California take all the heat that was supposed to go to them. It was terrible. There's so much I could tell you. I wish I had time. I was brought in front of all the pastors in the conference, and I was given a tongue lashing. They even gave me a list of things I shouldn't have said, and on the list, some of it were quotes from the book, The Great Controversy. I couldn't believe what was happening, young people. That's one great disappointment in the story. The second one is, I was married at the time, and my wife basically at the time told me, she said, you are no longer going to be making any money. I mean, this was now national news. I can show you when, I was, when they talk about me on CNN. I'll show you that tomorrow. Took the children, left, and later filed for divorce. When this story hit, I was left without a job in Pasadena. I was left without a job in Georgia. I was in the house in Pasadena all alone, and I could not understand how God could allow such a thing to happen to me. In fact, the way it happened, I, I, what, 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 pe what, what got me through it was the Psalms. And I'm, I'm going to read this Psalm because I'm left at this stage of depression and loneliness. And this is what one of the Psalms I would read. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. Look at what it says here. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. I learned that there are three things you do when you're in a trial. Number one, you praise God. When you praise God in your trial, he draws close to you. The second thing I learned is that you pray without ceasing. And the third thing I learned is that the book of Psalms, the three Ps, the book of Psalms is God's direct encouragement to his children in trial. I'm going to finish with this, with, this, with, this, with this verse here. 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. This is speaking of the prophet Elijah after he had a great disappointment. He had called fire down from heaven on Carmel. 
He had, he had defeated the prophets of Baal, uh, of Baal, and he assumed that Ahab and Jezebel would all be caught up in a reformation and revival would happen in Israel. Instead, gangster Jezebel sends a message that she's going to kill Elijah the prophet. And instead of being brave, this is what he does. Verse 4, but he, of 1 Kings 19, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father's. I got to the place where Elijah is. I'll leave you here. Where honestly, I prayed at night. I wasn't suicidal. I just said, Lord, if you want to, you can take me. I said, it's not worth it anymore, Lord. You can just take me. Now, I, I'm, I'm going through this so fast. I wish I had time to talk about all the different TV programs that talked about me, all the newspaper articles where they talked about me, how they beat my reputation. People think that the time of trouble is going to come because people take you and put you in prison. They will, but I want to submit to you that with the internet and social media, they can character assassinate you without laying a finger on you. In the book by uh, Brother Yoon, um, and in his book, um, The Heavenly Man, a Chinese, amazing Christian Chinese pastor, speaks about the persecution he gets for being a Christian in China. He says the worst persecution he got was in North America when they attacked his character. But I'm going to leave you with this, young people, as a word of encouragement. Elijah is the only person in the Bible, one of a few people, there's one other, we found one other minor prophet. But Elijah is one of the major characters, only major characters in the Bible, who asks God to take his life, and then Elijah never dies. Isn't that powerful? In fact, when it's time for Elijah to depart this earth, God sends a Holy Ghost Uber to come pick him up. He sends chariots of fire to come and get Elijah. Elijah's not left to wrestle in the mud of death. Elijah never tastes death, not for a moment. Oh, and let me tell you something. God did not let me alone either. And tomorrow when we come back, I'm going to finish this story. And I'm going to show you that there is still power, power, wonder-working power, miraculous power in what God can do for you. At, at, at this point, I tell you, I was at my lowest point in my life, and yet God had already planned out everything after that for me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the first part of this testimony. Lord, I thank you that you humbled me through this trial, that you taught me, Lord, that I need to be submitted to you in all things. A wonderful escape route. So, Father God, bless us. And keep us as we go through the rest of this week and bless the week of prayer. Bless these students, Lord, as they return to class. Let their minds be sponges and let them learn so that they can serve you in the future. Let their minds be sharpened so they be better tools for Jesus Christ. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.